This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. He was going the right way. Cohen all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. Levine, he goes right. Stop it, Samson. Did you not get the memo? He didn't come for the massage. He came for the facial. Oh, my goodness. Chicago's Game Day. Garcia's home. Hanson scores. Sox win. What a comeback. Trubisky escapes again, and he's got plenty of room to run. Look him go. There's the athleticism for the rookie. Back toward the wall. It's gone. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on in. Fred Hubner with you for the next three hours. Yeah, I'm not with my little friends, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. They were busy. They were busy yesterday, right, Eric? Yeah, I'm not sure if they uh, came back from South Bend or not, if they got caught up at the casino. They might have. Them, along with Jay Hood, did the uh, college tailgate show. And uh, they're going to be doing a college show every Saturday. So uh, starting next Sunday, it's the NFL. So... Um, they will, they're resting, they're sleeping, maybe, or they're still at the tables. You never know with those guys, especially after you saw some of their, uh, college football plays that, uh, I'm sure they're going to put out each and every week. They put them out and they looked all pretty good. First week of college football. We'll get into some college football a little bit later on. Fred Hubner with you all the way until noon. And, uh, you think we have some things to talk about bears fans. It, it, it was not a dream. You woke up today and you saw the same thing you saw yesterday morning at this time that the Bears had went out and made a deal and brought in Khalil Mack. That's right. Khalil Mack, the NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2016, is now a member of your Chicago Bears. He will be in town later on today for a 1 o'clock press conference. He seems excited. What's going on, Bears fans? Khalil Mack here. And the place to be, man. They got me up in Chi-Town, man. It's time to get to work. I can't wait. I'm excited for this opportunity, man. And bad out. Oh, man. Bear down. We can't wait. How about you? 312-332-3776. Jump on in. We're going to talk some Bears football a lot today. We've got John Moon Mullen of NBC Sports Chicago joining us at 930. Jesse Rogers will jump on in at 10 o'clock for our baseball fix. As the Cubs get a win, both the Brewers and Cardinals lose yesterday. So they're back up to four and a half and five game leads over St. Louis and Milwaukee. Our MLB notebook around 1030. Then a little after 11, Aaron Lemming from the Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron will join us. Talk more about what this means for the Chicago Bears. And we'll run down some college football with some sound. A college football notebook coming up around 1130. We got plenty of time for your phone calls because... Bears fans, um, this is just a hard to, hard one to believe. Uh, a lot of people were very, very critical of Ryan Pace moving up to get a Leonard Floyd. More than a lot of people were critical of him moving up just one pick to get Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, believe it or not, yesterday there were still some people when I was here with Murph, Murph and Fred, Saturdays, 9 to noon, uh, that was not 
100% behind the Bears on making this move. Too much to give away. Oh, you, you can't be giving away draft picks. That's how you make your team. Uh, the Bears get Khalil Mack, a 2020 second round pick and a 2020 fifth round conditional pick. The uh, Raiders get the 2019 first round pick, the 2020 first round pick from the Bears, a 2020 third rounder, and a 2019 sixth round pick. And uh, you knew the Bears were going to have to make a deal with Khalil Mack before signing uh, this deal and figuring the whole thing out. So they do Bears press release yesterday. They acquire and extend the contract of all pro linebacker Khalil Mack from the Raiders. They don't list the money in there. But I'll list the money for you, okay? Six years, $141 million extension. So it averages about $23.5 million per year. $90 million guaranteed a $60 million signing bonus, okay, for Khalil Mack. Ryan Pace saying yesterday in the press release, we are excited to add a special playmaker like Khalil to our football team. He brings a ton on the field, but he really fits what we are building in our locker room, too. Elite defensive players in their prime are rare. So when we knew we had a legit shot to acquire him, we did everything we thought necessary to get him. Pace continues. I'm confident the compensation to Oakland, including the return draft picks to us, the contract extension for Khalil, all fair to all parties. We are anxious to get Khalil to Chicago with his coaches and his teammates. Bears fans, 312-332-3776. How excited are you that Khalil Mack comes? Now, the Bears were building a nice defense. Slowly, okay? Roquan Smith in the draft. Leonard Floyd breaking a couple of fingers. You don't know what shape he's going to be in a week from tonight when the Bears take on the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. But now you bring in one of the top defensive players, if not the top defensive players in the game in Khalil Mack. 312-332-3776. How surprised were you that this Bears team, Ryan Pace, Ted Phillips, and company, went out there and made this move. Also, how does it change your opinion for this year? I don't know that anybody thinks the Bears are a Super Bowl contender because they went out and got Khalil Mack. Uh, yesterday, Tommy Waddle, uh, you hear him, Waddle Sylvie, 2-6, to six, Monday through Friday. They won't be here tomorrow because of the holiday, but they'll be here Tuesday. They're actually reunited. They haven't been working together for a little while here. But uh, Tommy Waddle yesterday said, uh, yeah, the deal's great, but there's one thing that this whole Bears team and the success is going to hinge on. It's all going to still depend on. As much as this defense will get a huge boost, and it was an above-average defense last year, they'll get a huge boost from Khalil Mack. It still depends on the quarterback. Can Mitchell Trubisky take that next step and, and be a guy that you win because of as opposed to a guy that just fits a system? And I love the marriage between Matt Nagy and, and Mitchell Trubisky. So it, the, the, the arrow is pointing up. But, you know, when you focus on this defense, I think what it does too, guys, is it gives the Bears some, some time to kind of grow with their young quarterback. So they're going to run the football with Jordan Howard. You know, they're going to play a very good, sound offensive style with Matt Nagy, but defensively, they're going to get after people. Yeah, they are. They're going to get after people, and they need to. Now, they were seventh in the National Football League in sacks last year, but I think they were only 19th in pressures. So that's going to change quite a bit. You look at some numbers, and there are a bunch of them. I got numbers all over the place. 74 quarterback pressures for Khalil Mack in 2017. According to some numbers, the Bears had 100 as a team. Okay? Khalil Mack had 74 quarterback pressures on his own. 
So that's certainly going to help. We'll take a look at what the defense is going to look like in just a second. Uh, Mack has started all 64 games since he's been to the league. Three-time Pro Bowler, two-time first-team All-Pro, 40-and-a-half sacks in three seasons, double digits in each of the last three years. And Waddle went on to say that, of course, it's going to pump up the Bears fans. It's a huge boost. Uh, I think that they're all buying in now anyway because of what has been done to begin with. But... um I think it's it's enormous for those young guys. Defensively, you know, Leonard Floyd is going to get a boost. Akeem Hicks is going to get a huge boost defensively. Just schematically, they're going to be better. This gives a lot of hope to not just this team, but a fan base that has really been mired in, in mediocrity at the very best. So um, high price to pay. Ryan Pace is all in, but I think he just gave not just that 53-man roster and that coaching staff, but he gave an entire city a bit of a an emotional boost today. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt what a boost a guy like Khalil Mack gives this defense. You've got uh, so let's look at it right now. I've got it all written here, scripted out, and I was looking. Kevin Fishbane laid it out, and I uh, looked at it. How's this for the Bears' starting defense? Okay, starting this year and beyond your front three of Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, and Jonathan Bullard, okay? Your outside linebackers are Leonard Floyd on one side, Khalil Mack on the other, with your inside linebackers, Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith. Yesterday at this time, there had been rumors that this was going to be two first-rounders and a player Probably a starter. So we weren't sure who it was going to be. Some people had thought maybe a Danny Trevathan goes in the deal. Well, the Bears didn't lose any players in this deal. They lost draft picks. That's true. But they kept all of the guys they had. So, again, your linebackers. Um, you have Leonard Floyd on the outside, the inside of Trevathan and Roquan Smith with uh, Khalil Mack also on the outside. Your corners are Fuller and Amukamara with Jackson and Amos as your safeties. Not a bad defense at all. 312-332-3776. And what it does also is it gives the Bears defensive coordinator Vic Fangio something more to work with. Okay, When Vic Fangio first came here, he looked at what he had and from reports from insiders, sources that I cannot divulge. They said that Vic Fangio had no idea that it was as bad as it was when he got here. And uh, he has had to go about trying to redo this entire defense, and he's done a pretty good job. Fangio, by the way, has a history of maxing out elite pass rushers. Alden Smith with 19.5 in 2014. He had 14 in 2011. Pat Swilling with New Orleans, 17 sacks in 91, 16.5 in 89. We're going all the way back to Kevin Green, 15 in 98, 14.5 in 96. Mack not only comes to the Bears with a uh, nice resume in good hands. We mentioned Vic Fangio's success with outside linebackers um, everywhere he's been with the Saints, the Colts, the Texans, um, the 49ers. He's got pro bowlers all over the place. Alden Smith, Pat Swilling, Kevin Green, Ricky Jackson, Lamar Lathan, Ronaldo Turnbull, Ricky Jackson again, um, Darian Connor, uh, some great, great players that he has worked with, and that that helps a lot. This defense is going to be ready. I don't know when they'll be ready at 100%. We don't know when Roquan Smith will be ready. We do know that Khalil Mack was a guy that was not in camp with the Raiders. He was waiting for something to be done. Well, now hopefully he'll, he'll be ready to go. When will he be 
We don't know that. We'll talk to John Moon Mullen, bottom of the hour, about that. Let's talk to you right now, 312-332-3776. Let's first go on out to Asheville, North Carolina, and Rob, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Rob. Hey, guys, appreciate the time. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I applaud the trade. You know, I think we, uh, obviously, in society and, and sports fans love to criticize moves here and there. This guy is a proven star. You essentially were giving one first-round pick. If you had a chance to get him in the draft, Next year, you take it in the heartbeat and run. It does kind of put more back on the offense. I like Mitch Trubisky, but it seems to be predicated on now. The defense is definitely good. Is better. It's really going to be, can Mitch Trubisky be good? Hopefully great, but if he's good, I think the Bears are a playoff contender for the next four or five years, but love to trade. Um, and, again, we didn't really give up that much draft picks. Or we've seen it with, with the Cubs. Draft picks and prospects are what they are. You get a proven guy in his you know, in the prime of his career, it's a great move. So thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. You know what else, Rob? And we appreciate your call. Uh, the Bears hoping to get better. When you give away first-round draft picks, you hope that now at this point you're getting better. You're 8-8, eight and eight, you're 9-7, and seven, whatever it might be, and um, your draft pick is in the middle of the pack. So it's, you're not giving up a top-10 draft pick. You're giving up maybe a 16th or 18th or 20th pick. Or, you know, in the near future when you get even better, a 22nd or 23rd pick in the first round. So uh, you had to do what you had to do in the – I just think the Bears fans should be excited that this organization isn't going to sit on their hands. How many times do you say, well, I know last week myself, I didn't look much into the Khalil Mack deal because I didn't think personally that the Bears would go out and make this deal. I could not have been more surprised when I heard it yesterday. When I heard initial rumors, well, the Bears are interested. Yeah, okay. Let's wait and see. We'll hear afterwards. Yes, we were interested, but the price was too high. But no, we didn't hear that. We heard that the price was just right. And Khalil Mack is now a member of your Chicago Bears press conference coming up later on today at 1 o'clock. Uh, not only Ryan Pace, but Matt Nagy, Khalil Mack, all up at Hallis Hall. Interesting to see what they say. Get back to the calls, 312-332-3776. Lewis Riddick knows a little bit about football. We hear him quite a bit from not only on ESPN, but also jumping on here with the shows, including with Waddle and Sylvie. He talked yesterday about this deal. Thinking about it from the Raiders' perspective, look, I've been very vocal over the fact that the way the game is moving right now, with the offensive explosion I anticipate in 2018 because of the rules changes and the emphasis on not being able to really be physical on the defensive side of the ball, the only way you can slow down the high-powered offenses is by rushing the passer and putting the passer on his back. And that way, guys like Aaron Donald become even more valuable. Von Miller becomes even more valuable. Khalil Mack is more valuable. At 27 years old, a guy who's had over 40 sacks in four years, and, and you know, and has been extremely productive in terms of quarterback hits and pressures. You just don't give guys like that away, especially when they're homegrown people. A guy who's never been a problem, a guy who's always been healthy, a guy who's a locker room leader and plays a premium position. I'm shocked, quite honestly. I'm shocked. This, the, the, this wasn't a cap space issue. This is not a football issue. There's got to be something more to something like this. It's got to be a cash flow issue considering the, not, the amount of money he's going to be looking for relative to what Aaron Donald got. And that's too bad. I know there's a lot of people saying, well, they're going to get two ones or whatever it is, and we can just replace them. You know, that, that's, that's called arrogance in the scouting world when you start thinking that just because you have first-round picks that you can wind up giving away a player like this that has proven it, that is healthy, and that is a homegrown player. So maybe they can cash in, the Raiders can, on these, first, uh, on these two first-round picks or whatever they're going to get, and they can make up for his loss. 
But to me, this is a huge win for the Chicago Bears. And I know people will say, well, why would you give up two first-round picks for any player? I would love to see what Sports Talk Radio is like in Oakland right now because I'm sure Raider fans with John Gruden coming in were not expecting to lose their top defensive player. And that's exactly what's happened to them. 312-332-3776. It's been a uh, nice week for some players around the National Football League. Monday, Odell Beckham Jr. got $65 million, the most guaranteed money for a wide receiver. Okay. On Wednesday, Aaron Rodgers, 103.5 or 103 million make that. This is the most guaranteed money for an NFL contract. On Friday, Aaron Donald of the Rams, most guaranteed money for a defensive player, 87 million guaranteed. That didn't last long. It lasted just a day as Khalil Mack gets 90 million guaranteed the most guaranteed money for a defensive player breaking Aaron Donald's record which lasted all of 24 hours 3123323776 where do you expect this bears team to finish now that they go on out and get a Khalil Mack has it changed your opinion they still have Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and uh, Minnesota with their tough defense and Detroit with a new coach in Matthew Stafford where do you think this move makes the Bears. Are they a third-place team? Can they consider to be a second-place team? Are they going to make a run to the playoffs this year? Obviously, the goal is to win the games. They have a very tough schedule, and uh, I am wondering what this is going to do. I'm also wondering when they're both going to be 100%, and uh, I'll ask a guy that really knows more about that uh, at the bottom of the hour in John Moon Mullen. Right now, we go to uh, Haywood, Iowa. And, Darren, you're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Darren, what's going on? Hey, thanks for taking my call. What's up? I want to tell you what. I love this trade. I'd do this in a heartbeat over and over and over. But the thing i got to say about this six-year contract, $141 million, is this going to affect Eddie Goldman's future, Adrian Amos' future, Amos, the safety? That's all I want to ask. Is that going to affect the other uh, players' contracts? Thank you. Uh, that's a good question, and I'm sure, Darren, that uh, when they put this something together, they will. Uh, they were looking. They knew that they needed money coming uh, in the future to make sure that they kept some of their guys. We'll talk more about uh, with that with John Moon Mullen at the bottom of the hour. He's more of a more of a money guy than I am. Um, I, the one thing for years and years, and I know it's all involved, and I know it's all included, and the monies and salary caps, and everything else got to a point where it was so confusing. I got into sports to talk about stuff on the field and how exciting stuff was on the field and how a team changed their strategies on the field. Um, I did not have a finance degree, okay? Um, when you get into broadcasting, maybe you should. Maybe you should know more about law and more about finance because that's what it's all about, it seems, on a daily basis. Big money contracts and players or teams having legal problems. Um, we'll talk with Mullen, see what he says, and make sure that the uh, Bears are going to be able to keep their own guys. We go to uh, Justin. Justin, what's happening? Nothing much, nothing much, guys. I just wanted to say I don't understand why people are so surprised. Gruden, you know, he got signed for $100 million. You can't pay all these players max money if you're trying to get $100 million also, you know? So it was a smart move by the man who won his pockets fat. Smart move for who? 
Gruden. You know, he won his money, so he had to get rid of somebody who was going to dip into that. Yeah, but Max, see ya. Yeah, but you see all that money, and Justin, we appreciate the call. All that money's separate. Yeah, you know, you have a salary cap for your players. Your team can pay you whatever they want to pay you. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that John Gruden, um, if he knew ahead of time that, listen, him going there is going to limit the amount of money they're going to be able to spend on players, he probably would have had a problem with that. I can't imagine what they're possibly saying. If we can, Eric, if we can find any sound from anything out in Oakland. There's got to be something good out there. Yeah. Right? Any sound from anything in Oakland. We already know that as soon as it, um, you know, as soon as it happened, Derek Carr, the quarterback for the Raiders, just, I can't remember exactly how he said it. He said something like, oh, no, or something like that. Uh, as soon as the deal was out there, he couldn't believe it. And uh, it's one of those things where, let me see, there's a lot of out there uh, about Derek Carr. Most of it's all just stuff. Yeah. We'll keep a, we'll keep an eye on it. We'll find some more stuff. Derek Carr just said no way. That's it. No and way. And then Bruce Irving, the other outside linebacker on uh, the Raiders, said no bleeping way. So they were all surprised. And Charles Woodson, yeah. Raider, Raiders history. Me waking up this morning to uh, T-Mac, or to the news, the Raiders news, and it's just a gif of a man crying. <laughs> so like a lot of Raiders Nation is not happy. I did hear that I want to say it was Lewis Riddick yesterday or last night on Sports Center saying that this deal may have been traded because of a cash an actual cash in hand issue with the Raiders. So maybe that Gruden contract does play into it because they might not have had enough cash to give them that guaranteed bonus. That's just that's just awful if in fact that's the case. Um because you, you, it's hard to run a team like that, and now they're going to be struggling. Let's go to Oak Park and Darren. You're on ESPN 1000. Hey, Darren. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, just wanted to share with you guys, me and my buddies all feel the same way. We like this move for Mac because we know the Bears are going to blunder the picks anyway. Just like they should have picked Deshaun Watson, we all feel like it's a group of like 20 of us, and uh, we like this move because we don't trust the Bears picking. So just wanted to share that. Darren, I appreciate the call. I understand your opinions of first-round picks. You like Deshaun Watson better than Mitchell Trubisky, okay? Uh, Trubisky is the guy that Ryan Pace wanted to go with. There are a list of 27. Let's see, not 27. These are players that are 27 or younger that are on the Chicago Bears. Listen to how many of these guys were drafted by the Bears, okay? Khalil Mack, they just acquired. Taylor Gabriel, they just acquired. Kyle Fuller was a deal, or was a draft. Trey Burton, a deal. Uh, Cody Whitehair, draft. Charles Leno, draft. Eddie Jackson, draft. Adrian Amos, draft. Allen Robinson was a guy that they got as a free agent. Leonard Floyd, draft. Eddie Goldman, draft. Mitch Trubisky, draft. Jordan Howard, draft. Adam Shaheen, draft. Tariq Cohen, draft. Anthony Miller, draft. Roquan Smith, draft. And James Daniels, draft. So the first-round draft picks have not been that great. But if you build your roster, and everybody says it, you build your teams through the draft, well, they're doing a pretty darn good job, just not necessarily with the first-round picks. But Trubisky was a first-rounder, and you also have Roquan Smith. So let's see how that all pans out. We come back. John Moon Mullen, NBC Sports Chicago. We'll talk more about Khalil Mack coming to the Bears here at ESPN. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Going on, Bears fans. Khalil Mack here. And the place to be, man. They got me up in Chi-Town, man. It's time to get to work. I can't wait. I'm excited for this opportunity, man. And bad out. Bye, Bears. I think Bears fans are all excited about the opportunity as well. Fred Huebner with you. My friends Chris Black, Adam Abdallah, 
They were busy. Their college football show along with Jay Hood yesterday, so they are not here today. They will be here tomorrow. Tomorrow afternoon, they've got a show in the afternoon from a 3 to 6, I want to say. So make sure you check out Black and Abdallah. Those guys will have tons of college football to talk about. I can't wait to get their opinions also of the Khalil Mack situation. The press conference later on today, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and Khalil Mack, the newest member of your Chicago Bears. And to find out more about uh, the deal and what it means for this Bears team, we go to our guy, John Moon Mullen from NBC Sports Chicago. John, how are you today? Fredo, I'm doing well. Good to talk to you on things. No, it's, you know, I don't, I didn't think when I was looking at Sunday's show, I said, well, you know, we'll just, we'll talk about the Bears and about, uh, you know, the starters not playing and all that stuff. Matt Nagy and uh, Ryan Pace, they've given us something to talk about. How surprised were you? I mean, the Bears were out there. It was listed as the Bears are a team also interested. But that's been out there before uh, in other things. How surprised were you that they actually made this move? I was very surprised. Um, as you said, you have a friend, the, the, the Bears being interested, everybody's interested. It's, yeah. it's almost like anyway, right before the draft, oh, my God, the Bears are talking to the Lions. And all the Bears are they talk to everybody, right? So let's let's establish. Yeah, of course they're interested. Uh, you wouldn't be interested in the ten sack of your guy, um, but I was very surprised, and I was just you know sort of pull the camera back and look at Ryan Pace and, and the, if there are if there are patterns. I went back. I think we did something like this for NBC Sports. Uh, you know, Ryan was not willing to mortgage the future. His number ones to move up from number seven to number two in 2015 to get Marcus Mariota. So my thought was, well, and that was somebody they really coveted. If you weren't willing to do that for what you thought was a franchise quarterback at the beginning of your regime, why would you do that now? You know, sort of, I make I got you can tell, well, now he's finally got Mr. Trubisky and this and that. Right? Yeah. But I, I just didn't see it because of what he wasn't willing to do in the past for a for, for a passer, now he's now he's willing to do it for somebody who goes after passers. So, you know, it's a different time. But I just didn't see it. And I knew. He, let's face it. We know he's an aggressive dealer. Right. Um, on draft days, he's done it. You know, which for Trubisky, did it for Leonard Floyd. Uh, he moves. You know, moves around in second rounds. And yeah, so he's not afraid to kind of move the chips in. I just did not think he would be willing to pay this kind of price, and maybe because he's getting you know a second rounder back, you know, it isn't quite like you're just giving away your entire draft capital, but it's pretty, it's pretty close. Yeah, it certainly is. I mean, a big chunk of change when you look at the guaranteed money, a $90 million guaranteed, $60 million signing bonus. We had a caller earlier in the first half hour, and they were questioning, with a deal like this, when it comes time, are the Bears going to be able to keep the guys that they want to keep, their own guys? Well, and, and who's the number one? We, we, you know, we're talking about is Mitch Trubisky, right? I mean, because by the time his contract comes up, um, it, you know, the, the market's already at thirty mil for a good quarterback. And if he is, if he isn't that, <laughs> Ryan Pace won't have to worry about it because he'll be the former GM at that point. But if he is, they won't mind paying him. And, and let's face it, the, the salary cap, you know, assuming viewership and tickets and everything keep right. going, the revenues keep going up. You know, the, the salary cap will too. But you know, you know, the interesting timing here, Fred, is the that number one, and, and this is was pretty obvious. I know the the Rams felt this way doing Aaron Donald's deal because Jared Goff was still in his rookie deal. 
Well, the Bears have Mitch Trubisky with two more years of his rookie contract and then an option year. So that freed him up. Okay, let's look three years down the road, and all of a sudden you realize, hmm, Prince of Mukamara is going to be done. Uh, Alan Robinson will be coming out of the third year of his deal, so you don't know what he's going to be worth at that point. So they're not really going to be saddled with um, mega contracts that will probably tie their hands. I, I don't see that. And okay. you know, Joey, Joey Lane, their money guy, and, and Pace have done a pretty good job. They haven't had to make, make cuts because of salary. Remember, once upon a time, it seemed like everybody would overextend, and the Bears have traditionally structured contracts where they didn't have to jettison a guy where you knew he was never going to see that last year. They don't do those kinds of deals. So I think they're going to probably, I have, I'd have to look at the Allen Robinson deal, for example, and see how is that structured in that third year? Because if he got all his money up front, well, now they can kind of, you know, it's front loaded by the time he's done. Um, finding money for Trubisky won't be that hard. You know, over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of fans who have been saying that, you know, the Bears were cheap because they didn't want to pay Robbie Gold and they didn't want to keep an Alshon Jeffrey and or things like that. Mm-hmm. And I think this kind of blows that whole theory out of the water when they spend this kind of money. They just wanted to put mm-hmm. it together a team the way that Ryan Pace wanted it, and apparently those two weren't in his plans. Yeah, and I, again, I think Robbie Gold, if you had to pick the two or three worst personnel moves of, of the Ryan Pace era, Robbie would be number number one or two, I think, maybe along with Mike Lennon. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's always been kind of a misnomer. And you know, Fredo, going back a few years, the Bears have spent mega dollars on people. They've yeah. just sometimes been the wrong people. And where they've been cheap, quite honestly, has been internally. You know, there's... They had, once upon a time when free agency started, they were so far behind the personnel cur- curve on, on scouts and everything. So all of a sudden you had them spending huge dollars on Thomas Smith, remember the cornerback who right. never had an interception and they gave up a billion dollars. You know, some of their scout, that they, where they were cheap was areas that they they shouldn't have been. They were overpaying, you know, Alonzo Spellman, they, they gave him a monster deal. You uh, you know, matched a contract that nobody thought they would do. So they've been willing to pay. You know, Philip Daniels. They went all in on Brian Cox once upon a time. So that's been a little bit of a misnomer. They've spent money. They just haven't always spent it on the right people. And sometimes that's because they haven't spent it on their own people to get the right kind of personnel staff. But again, that's kind of an arcane behind the scenes thing. No, I I, I think that the the misers of the midway. Probably isn't a fair moniker for them right now. <laughs> John Mullen joining us from NBC Sports Chicago. Fred Hubner here on ESPN 1000. Okay, I know when you bring a guy like Khalil Mack in, a guy that was the defensive player of the year in 2016, a guy that has double-digit sacks for three years in a row, it benefits everybody on the defense. But is there one mm-hmm. or two players that it might benefit more than anybody else on this defense? Uh, number one to me is Leonard Floyd. Okay. Um, because, you know, they, they, it's going to be harder, you know, again, this is Leonard with or without the club on his hand. Um, if you have a monster single great pass rusher, you can slide cover, you can slide protection toward him, you can chip with a back, you can chip with a tight end, you can, you can, you can scheme to, to control one guy sometimes. I mean, obviously a great player is going to be a great player. Now I think that becomes exponentially more difficult, particularly if you've got guys in the middle like Keem Hicks, who can who's shown himself to be a pass rusher. 
you know, I've, I've always loved the way back when I first started on this beat, Richard Dent, I did a long piece with Richard, and he coined what he called the rule of three. And he said all great defenses have three distinct pass, pass rush threats. And if you think about it, it was, okay, let's go back in history to the, the fearsome force of it. it was Lamar Lundy, Deacon Jones, and Merlin Olson. Right. You had the Purple People Leaders with Page, Marshall, and Eller. You had the Bears, which was Dent, Hampton, and McMichael. Um, you know, so many of those great defenses. And he said, because that way you can't double team. You know, if you only have two, you can double team two guys. You can escape. With three, you can't do it. And I think now you could argue that the Bears have three. You know, if you if Leonard Floyd is going to be one, Akeem Hicks is going to be another, and Khalil Mack arrives is better than either of them. So um, I think they have the potential to really be special on defense with this. And, and you're right, Fred, a lot of guys are going to benefit, probably Luke Amara and Kyle Fuller in the back, because sure. the quarterbacks aren't going to be able to hold the ball as long. So, yeah, I think but Leonard Floyd would be the one, because it's going to be hard to slide coverage or for protections to him. Uh, as he develops as a pass rusher. Okay, a week a week from tonight, the Bears are at Lambeau against the Packers. Uh, what do you expect from Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack? Do you expect them to play much? Do you expect them to play? And when do you when do you think? How long do you think it's going to take them to be out there and play a hundred percent for the for the Bears? Well, you're, you're, it's funny you mentioned. <laughs> what was the big worry with Roquan Smith? Well, he held out. He's going to get a hamstring pull. Right. Well, he got a hamstring pull. Yes, he did. And here's Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack, who hasn't played a snap or a, a rep in practice in preseason. Uh, now, obviously, he's four years into the NFL, so he knows something about NFL preparation. But let's let's put aside the negative. I hope what we don't see is a oh my god, third snap and he comes off the edge and then leaves the field. Right. Um, I think what what I would expect to see from Smith is a playing in the nickel. Um, you know, I think Nick Kwiatkowski is probably at this moment in their respective careers clearly going to be better as a as an inside linebacker all around. He knows the scheme, he knows the opponents. But where Smith is going to be a benefit, let's now, now we're talking Khalil Mack's fat in, impact. Roquan Smith had six and a half sacks last year at Georgia. All of a sudden, you have, might have an inside linebacker, not the, not like Ryan Erlacher exactly, but you know, Erlacher had forty some sacks in his career. And part of that, you know, this is blitzing up the middle. If you have some threats on the edge, hmm, now maybe you you bring Smith in as part of the nickel nickel package, which is not Woodkowski's strength, and he can both drop him. He's got the speed to drop, and he's also got the speed to blitz. So. That's where I would look for him is in, in your nickel when they go, go basically a de facto 4-3 as opposed to their 3-4 base. Um, and you just hope, again, that both those guys who haven't played in preseason, nobody gets hurt. Let's, uh, let's start with hoping that. Yeah, that would be a really nice thing. The press conference should be interesting today. I'm, I know mm-hmm. that uh, Ryan Pace is over the top, and I'm sure Matt Nagy will be too, and Khalil Mack. It's funny because a lot of people, you don't really get to know a lot of football players when they play out of town um, if they're not, you know, on TV commercials or, you know, big. But you know, when you think of Khalil Mack, you, you don't really know a lot about him. But from everything we've seen in all the reports, seems like he's a big team guy, uh, a guy that, you know, the one thing the Bears have had problems with, John, is guys that haven't been able to be on the field. Well, he's been uh-huh. here for four years and he's played 64 games. He's played each and every game. So that's a great thing coming into this deal. And, uh, you know, they always say the biggest part of, you know, biggest part of being with a team is 
just being there, being able to go on out on the field each and every week, and he's been able to do that. That's going to be a big thing for this team. Well, I know and John Fox, one of the one of the mantra coaches put sayings on the wall, but one of the ones was prominent was ability is great, but availability is critical. Sure. And that's that's the fact. Now, to me, the biggest thing about Khalil Mack that I think is most impressive, stands out to me is that he taught himself how to play the guitar. I mean, let's come on, let's get to the let's get to the important stuff here. He knows how to, I'm going to be wearing my C.F. Martin uh, guitars hat at the press conference. So, uh, hey, I've, got know, one, he, 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 I've got one sitting there. I played when I was a kid. I can play notes. Playing chords is still a pain. And I sit there every once in a while and pick it up. And I run through the run through all the notes. And it's like, oh, man, this is hard. It's not an easy thing. So with a guy that's probably got bigger hands than me, being able to play guitar would got to be got to be definitely one ta- tough task. And, you know, you see, and this is, again, qualitative stuff and hard to measure the impact of, but, you know, you see somebody who's got a, has a wonderful reputation off the field. Yep. Um, you know, his mom and dad, I think, I forget, they're, they're each, one was, I think one was a teacher. Um, again, that doesn't win you games, but the other kind of character can lose you games. Mm-hmm. And for them to be able to do this with a guy you feel like, Okay, this is not Ray McDonald. This right. is not you know whomever. Um, this this guy can become the rising tide that lifts all boats. And what he becomes, too, Ray, is, is somebody who sets an example for young guys. I mean, is there a one of the things that was a big loss for, for Leonard Floyd was Willie Young. They, they were he and Floyd Young and Hicks went out to dinner once a week. And that was a lot of mentoring that went on for Leonard Floyd. He said, I learned so much just on, about being a pro and so forth. Well, that's what a guy like this guy walks in. Uh, I, everybody in the locker, not everybody, but certainly the defensive players, they're going to have one. I'm like, what's he doing? How's he get taped? What's, what, you know, yeah. the little, little things that at this level do matter. And I think that's the kind of guy they went out and got. I think that's why the organization was really willing to go, you know, move so many chips into the center. So, yeah, I think this this is potentially one of those guys that makes everybody a little better, both on and off the field. John, I appreciate it. I know it's turned out to be a busier Sunday morning than you probably thought it was going to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> appreciate you jumping out for a few minutes. Okay, Fraser, anytime. That was uh, John Moon Mullen, NBC Sports Chicago. You can find him, NBC Sports. They've got all their stuff on the Chicago Bears. And, uh, you know, when he was talking, it brought up something. If you watch... If you watch uh, Hard Knocks, there was something that Todd Haley said the other day to Jarvis Landry. We'll talk about that when we come back. And also, if you watch Hard Knocks, I got bad news for you. We'll discuss that when we come back. Fred Hubner with you. We got Jesse talking Cubs top of the hour. Aaron Lemming from the Bear Report around 1110 talking more about Khalil Mack coming to the Bears. We had a lot of baseball to do, some football. I got stories from Germany where I was last week. All kinds of things. Fred Hubner. In or well, not in four, but in by myself. No, Chris Black, Adam Abdallah. They'll be here tomorrow afternoon. They're working Labor Day right after me. Uh, actually, I'm working nine until eleven thirty. Then we got a game, and then they're coming on after that from three until six, right here on ESPN One Thousand. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN One Thousand. Welcome back in. Fred Hubner with you till noon. We got Jesse Rogers, top of the hour. Quick hit on the Cubs as they are now four and a half up, five and a half, or five up on the Brewers, four and a half on the Cardinals. As uh, what a pitcher's duel today. It's uh, John Lester, Aaron Nola. So we'll talk to Jesse, top of the hour. 
I mentioned before the break, uh, Todd Haley, if you're watching Hard Knocks with the Cleveland Browns, Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, said something to Jarvis Landry. In the last game, he was yelling at Landry for dogging it, maybe not going all out on a play. And Landry kind of like yelled back. He goes, ball's out of bounds. I can't get it. And uh, he goes to the sideline, and Haley is still kind of yelling at him a bit. And then Haley goes up to him late in the game and says, he says, some of these kids, he says, these kids got to learn. And he said, sometimes I'll yell at you a little bit more than necessary because if they see you not hustling or dogging it or not going full out, then they're going to think it's okay for them. And uh, he goes, so we really need you to to make sure you put out a good um, you know, impression out there so the players take after you and they want to be like you. And uh, he said, I'm sorry for yelling. I didn't mean to yell. He goes, I was just trying to get a point across. And Landry just kind of shook his head, didn't say a whole lot. Um, but it, it's been a pretty good year, I thought. Um, I, I love hard knocks. Uh, I just got done watching something or almost done watching something called All or Nothing. I know they've had it on the Michigan football team on um, Amazon, and they've also had it on the Dallas Cowboys. They were doing, I'm just finishing up one on the Manchester City soccer team from last year. They do really good jobs of these kind of things. Hard Knocks does a great job. But if you've been watching Hard Knocks and you're a big fan of tight end Devin Kajust or linebacker Nate Orchard, you got to watch Tuesday's episode because there's sad news. They both were, were cut yesterday. Yep. They were both cut. The uh, stones and the full moon didn't help Devin Kajus. He'll be looking for a job, as will Nate Orchard. We come back some Cubs baseball talk. Fred Hubner with you on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He's at the wall. He leaves. Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Welcome on in. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. Talking a lot of Khalil Mack and why not. He is introduced to the Bears at a press conference today, 1 o'clock. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Khalil Mack all will be talking and... um, they will be discussing what's going on in the future as they get ready for the first game of the season next Sunday night when they take on the Green Bay Packers. We're going to talk some uh, Chicago Cubs baseball. we got lots of stuff to talk about. Bears next week, Khalil Mack today, the Cubs continuing their series in Philadelphia and continuing their road trip. And uh, to do that, we go to our guy in Philly. It's Jesse Rogers. Nice enough to jump on in. Hey, Jess, what's going on? I'm good, Fred. How are you doing this morning? You know, this team, and you're with them all the time. You get the uh, the, the one run on a home run the night before. Then yesterday, you get what this team can do. Everybody contributing, everybody hitting the ball. Schwarber bouncing one, you know, everywhere else in baseball, that's a home run. But with that high point where it is uh, in Philadelphia, it bounces for a triple um, Hap with a homer, Baez getting three hits, including his uh, 99th RBI. A complete, a complete game for the offense yesterday. Yeah, it really was. That's the sort of game you can start to project into October. Now that Bryant's back, you saw the defensive changes Joe made late in the game. 
And obviously what Bryant did uh, in the middle of the order, they're going two for four and, and played great defense. The one thing, and this also highlights the advantage the Cubs have in October. Before the game, Fred, talking to Chris Bryant, you know, are you excited to be back? Are you nervous? You know, normal sort of somewhat not silly questions, yeah. but, you know, how ner- how nervous is he really going to be? But, you know, you ask him the normal questions, and he, and he acted like it was nothing, like he hadn't been out at all. Like, it was just, okay, wake up and play just like I did. Now, maybe it helps to play a few games in the minors, but, you know, you can't mimic the speed of the majors down there. So my point being, he gets in the game, and it, he seemed like he had never missed a beat. He made five or six ground, uh, uh, nice plays at third, nothing hard, but, you know, took his time on the throws. Yep. You know, sometimes the whole game can speed up on you. So it's, it's that experience that now this team can fall back on when, you know, just a couple of years ago, they were the team that had to learn how to win and all this stuff. Now they have it down. Think about who they might face in the playoffs, starting with these Phillies, who could be the toughest test just because of Arietta and Nola, but we don't know if the Phillies are going to make it. But Atlanta, new to the scene, right? All sorts of newbies in terms of on the mound, at least. I wrote about that today. Um, Arizona is still kind of finding its way. They had a taste last year, no doubt. Um, even Milwaukee, if they get in as a wild card, they haven't gotten in before. And, and, and the big advantage the Cubs have experience-wise is on the mound and the position players. That's pretty much the whole team, right? Yeah. I mean, because these guys have been through the wars. And I just thought watching Bryant, there's no way in his rookie year he comes back that calm, cool, and collected. I don't believe you would have saw some, some jitter, something, something different out of him, but he looked like he had never missed a beat. So, yes, last night was the formula. And you see what they can do with the lineup and late in the game. And the only question, if we're, if we're going to talk about October, is, is the bullpen, obviously. That's why, I, I, in doing the math here, Fred, I think this team has to get six innings out of its starter in October, at least. I think they can fill three without Morrow. I don't think they can fill four. Three, three means you can have one guy falter and, and bring in someone else. Because you have C-Shack, you have Chavez, you have Edwards, and you have Strope. Those right. are your main guys. With Wilson as your lefty or Montgomery, one of the. But you you can survive, I think, three innings. I don't know if you can fill four. So, um, look, you've got you got two of the top Hamels and and, and uh, Lester that are as good as anybody at eating up innings. So, my point is, this formula is starting to come together. You can see what October might look like with this team. You know what else? You know what else you can see when you take on Atlanta, you take on Philadelphia for a little while, and I think you we, you saw it a little bit with St. Louis too, and we realize how good the Cubs are in the field. Those three teams throw the ball around all over the place, don't they? Yeah, and, and Milwaukee has a lot of runs saved, but I don't consider them a great defensive team on the infield now that they've moved Shaw around, and they've got a lot of moving parts. So I agree with you. I think the Cubs have a huge advantage. Remember, the Cubs have made mistakes and, and stuff like that, yep. but in crunch time, in crunch time, Fred, and that's what you have to remember about great teams. Like, you know, the Cavaliers end up in the finals every year, even though they look kind of silly with LeBron, I mean. You know, sometimes during the regular season, the Cubs can look up and down, base running mistakes and stuff, but come crunch time, I think you can rely on that defense around the infield, especially. You have to worry a little bit about center when Elmore is not there and Schwarberg left a little bit. But look, it's all about infield defense, really, and they have it. They have more than enough, um, especially late in games. Now, Murphy starting is a right. problem. Um, there's no doubt, but. Uh, you're not wrong. They, those other teams throw the ball around a lot more than the Cubs. I really like that you brought up the first thing you brought up with Bryant, and you you kind of glossed over his his um, plate appearances and talked about how good he looked and comfortable he looked in the field. Because you're right, he did uh, the first plate appearance. He struck out. I thought out of out a rough pitch, and he went he hustled right out of the box on the drop third strike. But his other hits, he had two hits last night, and 
It's not easy, and I know you probably haven't asked him yet about it, but the one thing is with that shoulder, he's keeping both hands on the bat. He's not letting the one hand go off the bat. That can't be easy for a guy who's swung one way, and now he's going to change it a little bit. No, it's not easy, but he's into it. So that's the good news. He's not fighting it. He actually thinks it could help him in some ways. Now, it also will hurt his bat speed, I think, a little bit. And maybe it's good on that first step back because you're not wrong. That was a... Awkward. Okay, I gotta yeah. get back. Yeah, I gotta get back up to speed, kind of at bat. You saw a fastball get blown right by him, and I think he struck out on an off-speed pitch. That was okay. Five days in the minors isn't going to get me. Re- I need one at bat up here. But at least he didn't need a full game or two games or a week. He looked pretty good second at bat on. So you're right. Adjustment with the two hands. He will have a slower bat at times. But I, the fact that he's he's buying into it, he's not he's not doing it just just out of necessity. Now he has to do it. But he, but he likes it. You know right. what I mean? So I think that's going to help uh, move this thing along a little bit. You know, you talk about pitching and uh, the starters are something that we've been looking at a lot this year because of the three guys, Quintana and uh, Chatwood and Darvish and what they have given and what they haven't given the team. I saw a note in the uh, uh, one of the writers today said the potential playoff rotation of Lester, Hamels, Hendricks and Quintana are 7-1 and one with a 145 in their last three turns. Now, that's obviously, you get that, you should be winning even more games than you're winning right now if the bats come along. This uh, this starting rotation seems like they're they're winding up for this postseason. You would like to think so. Now, hopefully they don't go backwards. Like The, the more you struggle, I feel, the more time you struggle throughout a season, I think that's how much more time observers need to make sure the turnaround is real. Okay. Now, I wrote a similar, I wrote a similar thing. Like, it looks great, but they've got to now do it for the next, seven weeks in a, in a sense. Now, if they have a bad start late September after they clinch, that's fine. But you know what I'm saying? Like they've got to ramp it up after four and a half months, uh, basically of not showing much. They finally have. So since mid August, which is only a couple weeks, they have a two fifty eight ERA as a starting staff. That's fine. Now let's see them do it through mid September and through mid October. But there's no doubt you look at those names, they have it in them that now that Hamels has established himself as the old Hamels, you know that all three to four of those guys have it in them. And the thing I wrote today also is Quintana or Montgomery. Now, those are your five-inning pitchers. Those are your two turns through the rotation, whoever's going to get the start. That's also why Hamels, Lester, Hendricks have to go six or seven. Now, you do have off days in between games and stuff like that, so that's good. So if Quintana goes short in game four and you need everybody for game five, at least you have a day off just projecting this thing out. But that's the beauty of this team right now. They can afford Quintana or Montgomery to only go five innings because they've got these other three, you know, workhorses that can go seven, eight. You know, Cole Hamels. I mean, he's, right. he's worse than Lester. He wants he wants it nine every time, and he's got to get used to Joe Madden here. But I think in the playoffs, with if Morrow is just you know fifty percent and everything else is kind of in flux, I think Hamels and Lester are going to are, are just the leash is going to be just let go, 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 one twenty, whatever it takes to win the game. Now that's saying something because I know Joe he he'll go to that pen, but you you get the gist of what I'm saying. I sure. do not think he's gonna. I do not think he's gonna limit Cole Hamels in the playoffs. Just using him as an example. Just another couple minutes with Jesse Rogers talking Cub baseball. You want to jump in three one two three three two three seven seven six. Hendricks last night six innings six hits a run earned two walks 
four strikeouts, 95 pitches. And you know what he did, too? He also worked himself out of a couple jams here and there. I mean, Philadelphia had a couple of opportunities, uh, not big opportunities, but they had a few, and he worked his way out of jams. This is the Hendricks that we've, that we've come to expect to see in big games. 100% true, Fred. Everything you just said there. I thought Joe leaving him in once he got into a jam was great, and the yep. fact that he got out of the jam was even better. Um, the, just look at the movement on the pitches, Fred. You don't have to be a pitching coach. Those things are dipping and dueling and going all over the place. That's the great Kyle Hendricks. Why he doesn't have it for 32 starts? Well, that's the million-dollar question for every pitcher. But when he can get movement like that, no one's going to square him up more than once in a while, and that's exactly what you're going to see. You'll see the odd home run off of him when he's pitching like that. But most of the time, you're going to see guys shaking their head when they walk back to the dugout, which is something Joe notices often. Like He will watch the opposing hitter after when his pitcher's going well, just to see their body language when they when they go down swinging or whatever the case may right. be. And he saw some some negative body language out of the Phillies last night. Yeah, there was no doubt. Hendricks looked really good, and that's a good thing for the Cubs going forward. Speaking of going forward today at twelve thirty five, start Chicago time. Lester and Nola. Now, a lot of times you look at it and you say, "Okay, Lester and Nola, this is going to be a great pitchers duel," and the final score comes out to be seven six or something like that. Do you think we can actually get one today? A good pitchers duel. I think we will. I think, remember, what Hamels and Scherzer lived up to its billing. I yeah. think it's going to today. I absolutely think the Cubs are going to have a tough time with Nola, and I think Lester is back to form. And, and Lester's like Hamels. He knows who the opposition is. He knows Aaron Nola's on the mound. He can't necessarily feel his way through a game like he normally does. I'd love to see Lester come into this game in playoff mode. Sometimes he'll use that first inning to feel things out, but you could be down 2 nothing. And the game's over with Aaron Nola over there. So I right. want to see I want to see if Lester comes out ready to rock and roll in the first and not feel his way through an inning or two, which he normally does. Uh, but absolutely, I think it, this is going to be one of those pitchers' duel. Having said that, it's baseball. I could easily be wrong. So okay, when you come home, do you get to sleep in your own bed, or do you get do you sleep up in Milwaukee later on tonight? That's a good question because I went back and forth on it. If people really care, and I'm going to sleep in my own bed um, mostly because I realized. On Labor Day, I don't think as early as I'm going to go, there's going to be a lot of traffic going up there. Right. Now, uh, now, for example, if I was coming back after the game, I'd probably hit a lot of traffic, Lake Geneva and all that stuff. But I'm staying over. I'm going to stay I'm gonna sure. stay in Milwaukee, you know, till Thursday or whatever the case. So I am going to sleep in my bed. But I thought about going up there tonight. Uh, you know what? It'll be a quick, easy drive at 9 a.m. tomorrow. I live up north anyway. So that that's my... That's my sleeping arrangements, if you really care. Well, we knew this 11-game trip wouldn't be easy. The one game in Atlanta, then three in Philly, and then, you know, three coming up in Milwaukee. These are going to be huge games. The Brewers pick up three different players, you know, a, a pitcher. Then they get Granderson, and uh, obviously Gio Gonzalez they get. So it's going to be interesting to see how things pan out. And then four in the nation's capital against a, a, a bad Nationals team that I'm not exactly sure what they're playing for right now. So it, it'll be interesting to go in there and maybe the Cubs can uh, you know, really put them to sleep for the rest of the season. Well, I mean, they are 500, so it's not like they're completely rebuilding. They have some hitters. We know that. I mean, Daniel Murphy returns. Brandon Kinsler returns. We have all these connections now. Um, my feeling, Fred, is you know, a week from today, this, this road trip ends. If they have anything close to two or three game lead even, right. I think it's over. Because after that, they're in their own beds for all but three nights. They got that weird Arizona quick trip out west, which is a nice little playoff preview. But other than that, they play the White Sox, okay, sleep in your own bed, right. and then it's all home games. So I think a week from today, 
if the Cubs are in first place, you can start to think about taking your days off in October because, man, if they blow it 20 games over 500 at home, you know what I mean? If yeah. they blow it down the stretch, then, you know, they don't deserve to be in it. But one more week of this weird, not weird, but this road trip, and just, you know, cross off games, stay in first, two, three, four games, and I think the Cubs will be in fine fashion the last couple weeks of the season. Jess, as a White Sox fan, i got to tell you, I would just love to see uh, a, a giolito Kopech rodon rotation against the Cubs in, in those three games. That would just be, for the South Centers, it would be fun just to see how those three can do against the Cubs. 100% with you. Absolutely. And I bet Joe would, would agree with that. You want to start playing these big games, and, and, and if it's not against a team that's in the playoff hunt, then at least a, an up-and-coming pitcher or two or three. I'm with you. I'd love to see that, that trio face the Cubs. And if I know the White Sox and their fans and Kenny Williams, they'd love to knock the Cubs down a notch, whether that be out of first place or just you know win the series just for bragging, whatever the case may be, because it is a weird time to play these three yeah, games. It and It certainly has a ton of meaning for the Cubs. And it has meaning for the White Sox, but certainly in a different way. So I, I'm hopeful at least a couple of those pitchers pitch. Jess, enjoy the game today. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Fred. Take care, buddy. Jesse Rogers in Philadelphia with the Cubs as the Cubs wrap up their series. And what a pitcher's duel again it could be. John Lester against Aaron Nola, twelve thirty-five start. And then after that, three in Philly, four in Washington, wrapping up an 11-game road trip. Here's the... Uh, Lineup for the Cubs today. Daniel Murphy leading off again at second base. Javi Baez hitting second at short. Anthony Rizzo at first. Chris Bryant moves up from fifth in the lineup yesterday. He is your cleanup hitter uh, in right field today. That's right. Chris Bryant in right field. Kyle Schwarber hitting fifth in left. Wilson Contreras behind the plate hitting sixth. Ian Happ is in center field hitting seventh. John Lester on the hill uh, hitting eighth. And David Bodie is playing third base hitting number nine. Yesterday, uh, Schwarber, he did not play in the first game. A lot of people wondered why he didn't come in uh, to hit when Caratini hit late in the game when the Cubs um, could use a run. They only had one run, and they needed more. Uh, Schwarber did pretty well last night, though. A 2-1 hit in the air out in the deep left center. At the wall. It's off the wall. Two runs will score. Schwarber's trying to make third. Here comes the throw. He is safe. It's a triple. Hit it off the high wall just to the left of center. That's the deepest part of the park. It goes out to 409 in that area. It's 4 nothing. Yep, 4 nothing. Highlights courtesy NBC Sports Chicago as Schwarber with a triple. He was scampering around those bases. I mentioned Kyle Hendricks. What an outing he had. Six innings, six hits, a run. He struck out four. As locked in as I felt for, for the most part, you know, I'm just, just making a lot of good pitches and putting together good sequences right now. So everything starts with fastball command for me, like we talked about, and it's just been getting better and better kind of. Today it was good from the start, so the changeup and curveball worked really well off it. I was able to, my curveball has been coming along better and better, using it more and more, uh, having more confidence with it. But also, just had a really good game plan with Caratini today. We had a real good game plan going in. We are able to stick to it. And uh, I would say the only bad part was the Ramos walk. It was terrible. That was, that was the only bad thing I probably did. And uh, the play Javi made to lead off that inning was huge. You know? uh, having a fast guy on to lead off that inning could have changed things. So that was a big part of the game. Yeah, Kyle Hendricks, as our, my producer Eric Ostrowski pointed out, Hendricks always gives credit to the catcher. And uh, it seems like most good pitchers, Eric, do. You know, they're smart. They know that the guy behind the plate is the guy that's uh, he. Basically, he's the only other guy with him out there. That'd be a really tough situation if you and your catcher just hated each other. Yeah, 
Like, that would be a very tough situation. But every time Hendricks has a good outing, he'll always say, like, yeah, our game plan with Willie and I was great. Like, he, he was calling the right pitches. I wasn't shaking. Every single time he has a good outing, he references the the catcher's game plan with yeah, him. he does. And uh, Hendricks was really good, and that's exactly what the Cubs need. Again, the potential playoff rotation of Lester, Hamels, Hendricks, and Quintana, 7-1 and one with a 145 ERA in their last three turns around the rotation. So doing very, very well. The return of Chris. Bryant, he had a couple of hits yesterday. He was two for four, keeping his hands on the bat. And I know that sounds like a silly thing, but if you remember Chris Bryant, he usually had his one hand uh, stay on the bat. The other hand would fly off of it. Well, that's not what he's doing. And he talked about his return from the DL. Got enough at bats, enough timing, seen enough pitches. You know, I mean, it's always going to be, you know, an adjustment on the fly, which, you know, I'm pretty good at making those, I think. Um, but, you know, I could always use more time. And I, I, I'm, more, I'm confident that I'll just continue to, you know, get better as we go along with the rest of the season. It feels great. I mean, I, there was a couple swings in the game where I went back to what I did normally, but no problems at all. Um, but, yeah, I honestly feel you know, really comfortable with it. So hopefully I can continue to do it. Yeah, and for Cub fans, too, they're happy to see Chris Bryant back in the lineup. It gives Joe a lot more uh, things to play with as he can move rotations around, move players around. He can sit people. Now that September's here, you get extra people out there. Uh, one thing, and I saw this in uh, Mark Gonzalez's column in the Tribune, uh, Phillies left-hander Austin Davis guilty of looking for extra help last night in an effort to solve Chris Bryant and Addison Russell in their return. Crew chief Joe West removed a card the day Davis pulled from his back pocket in the eighth inning before the pitcher allowed to hit um, to Bryant and prior to Russell's pinch hitting appearance. Now, Phillies manager Gabe Kapler argued that Davis should have been able to keep the card, but West ruled that Davis was in violation of a rule, Rule 6.02C7, which states a pitcher shall not have on his person or in possession any foreign substance. Uh, West said, I told him we don't allow him to carry anything on his glove, person, or clothing, except in some cases where it's rain situation, they can put a rosin bag in their pocket. Other than that, they can't have anything on the pitcher. I know all the players uh, now carry a cheat sheet like this. Until the office tells me I can't let the pitcher do it, I can't let him do it. Uh, West told Davis, you can have it back after the game, but you can't have it now. I didn't want to throw it, uh, throw him out. I know it's foreign, but he's not trying to cheat. And that's interesting because earlier this year, if you remember, you may have been here producing one of the shows for, with Cap and Eddie Olchek, but Olchek brought up a point where, uh, Jason Hayward's got a thing on his, on his wristband. And he's able to look and where he's supposed to play some certain guys, Eric. So this is just a pitcher who's not sure about certain guys. And he's just able to look at a cheat sheet. Right, I do remember that. And you'll see like Schwarber and stuff. They'll pull this card out of their pocket real quick. See how they want to shift for the, the hitter that's up there. Yeah. It's weird that they're calling this note card, this flash card, a foreign substance. I know. Like I, I get that you don't want the pitcher checking his pocket every batter and stuff like that. But... To consider this a foreign substance, like on the same level as a pine tar or something, is weird. Uh, Madden sees the benefits uh, to pitchers carrying cards, specifically in the interest of accelerating the pace of the game. Madden added that pitchers and catchers could start wearing earbuds for a conversation similar to players 
uh, player play callers to transmit their plays to quarterbacks. He said all that stuff is down the road. That'd be interesting, though. Then there'd be no reason to put signs down necessarily. Then they should just start Snapchatting each other from yeah. behind the plate. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it'll be, it'll be tough buds. with the catcher's glove on, but I, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I can just see it now. That's that'll be what'll what'll happen. But I'd have no I have no problem with that. And uh, it's interesting that it popped up last night. Uh, I saw the. Uh, I saw it talked about, and I wanted to see the story. Mark Gonzalez has it in the Tribune. So we come back at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk a lot about other things in baseball. Each week we've been doing an MLB notebook. Those things will likely stop next week when we get into a Bears pregame. But uh, there's a lot going on in Major League Baseball as we get into the final month, into September. Lots of teams uh, in playoff races. We'll talk about all of those. Also, we'll get your calls. We're going to get more into the Khalil Mack situation. He is in town. He will be introduced to the Chicago Bears media at a press conference at 1 o'clock today. Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, and also uh, Khalil Mack will all be there talking, so we'll discuss that. 11 o'clock hour, Aaron Lemming will join us from the Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron, get his opinion. About an hour from now, we'll do a college football notebook, running down some of the action that happened in the first big Saturday of college football. There was plenty of it. Um, I have people coming away saying, wow, that game should have been better. I was expecting more. It's the first week of the season. So when you do have two good teams going against each other, sometimes it doesn't play out the way you think it should. Fred Hubner back in just a little bit with our MLB Notebook on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. And a ball driven to left center. Sousa. He's got it! He's got it! It's a no-hitter! Fred goes around the horn. It's a triple play for the Sox. Touch them all, Joe. You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. Fred's Baseball Notebook. Ah, uh, lots of baseball going on as we hit September. Teams trying to get into the postseason. One that's not trying to get into the postseason, my White Sox on the south side of town. The White Sox have gone 12-6 and six since August 14th. They are tied with the Yankees for the second-best record in the American League behind Tampa Bay at 12-5 and five in that short period of time. Last night was a rough one for the Southsiders. A Red Sox, a 6-1 win over the White Sox. Carlos Rodon, 6-3rd, uh, giving up 6 hits, 5 runs, 4 were earned. Uh, two walks and four strikeouts for Rodon. His streak of nine quality starts snapped against the best team in baseball. Also, it didn't help the White Sox hitters struck out 18 times last night. That's right. In a nine in a nine inning game, you you have 27 outs. The White Sox struck out 18 times. That was just not good. Um, it's Hawk Day today. All the fans going out there getting Hawk nesting dolls and Hawk and A.J. Pruszynski doing the game uh, today. So that should be interesting. Uh, give it a listen. Um, by the way, on Rodon, batters hitting just 151 off Rodon in his last nine starts. Better news for the Cubs. 7-1 win over the Phillies. Chris Bryant, two for four with a run scored in his return. Kyle Schwarber, a two-run triple. Ian Happ, a solo homer. Javi Baez. Three hits and an RBI. He's now hitting 298, 29 homers, 99 RBIs. If he's not a front runner for National League MVP, something's wrong. Kyle Hendricks, six innings, one run ball. Cubs now 80 and 55. Elsewhere around baseball, 
The Reds blanked the Cardinals 4-0. St. Louis just two hits yesterday. The Cardinals are four and a half back of the Cubs now. And the Nationals, well, they had a four-run eighth inning. What happened there? Well, Brewers waited out a two-hour rain delay. That's right, two hours. The night before, they finished the game in a storm. It was just like pouring rain, and they still finished the game. When the Nationals were had the bases loaded, uh, Harper had struck out. And uh, then I think when the rains continued to come down, the next batter bounced out. Uh, yesterday, Brewers weighed out a two-hour rain delay. Then they surrender four runs in the eighth and blow a 3-1 lead. Eventually lose 5-4. to four. So right now, the Cubs, a four-and-a-half game lead over St. Louis. Milwaukee is five games back. The National League West is all kinds of fun. Right now, it's Arizona playing against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Dodgers and the Diamondbacks, and uh, this one got really interesting in the eighth. The Dodgers have the tying runs aboard with Matt Kemp coming up. Well hit to center. Way back. A three-run home run from Matt Kemp. The Dodgers are back from the dead and leading it three to two. Matt Kemp the home run to left center field and a sellout crowd on their feet at Dodgers Stadium. Wow. What a blast by Matt Kemp and the crowd still on their feet. Yeah, Kemp with the home run off Archie Bradley yesterday and uh, the Dodgers go on to get the victory. Kenley Jansen, his second save in as many nights. He's got things figured out when he came back after being away for uh, a week or so or 10 days. Uh, he struggled in a couple of save attempts, but he is back. Right now, the Dodgers are tied with Arizona atop the National League West. Let me grab my standings here. Uh, Arizona and the Dodgers tied atop the West. Colorado is just one and a half game back. Clayton Kershaw started last night, went seven innings, allowing four hits, two runs, three strikeouts. He's got an ERA of 240. He's pretty good. Uh, the Astros, a five-run eighth inning. They beat the Angels yesterday 7-3. to Houston back up to a two-and-a-half game lead over Oakland in uh, the American League Western Division standings. Speaking of the A's, the A's are right there. As I said, two-and-a-half back of Houston. But this guy has done it not once, not twice, but now three years in a row. 40 home runs. Pitch it, driven to right field and hit well. Hanniger looking up and that baby's gone. Number 40 for Chris Davis. Number 40 on the year for the Crusher. Tell me when to go. 41 make it happen, KD. So three straight 40 home run seasons. For Chris Davis, another home run to right field. He's got 15 home runs the other way. That's amazing. Chris Davis, all this guy does is hit home runs for the Oakland A's. He just continues to do it and does it again last night. Oakland is right there. They're trying to get into the postseason. You look at the wild card standings in the American League right now, as I uh, turn the page. And in the American League, the Yankees... And Oakland are your wildcard team. Seattle trails the A's by four and a half games for that second wildcard team in the American League. So the A's are doing quite well, thank you. And a lot of that has to do with Chris Davis. The Yankees making some moves as they go down the stretch. 
Uh, Yankees are seven and a half back in Boston, but as I said, they are in the wild card right now, and they picked up Andrew McCutcheon, who made his debut with the Yankees. Yeah, it was nice, and I always, I always knew about the roll call here. I always would see it, and um, you know, I was uh, happy to to be on this side to be able to to give the fans something. So um, yeah, it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and you know I enjoyed it. Just wish I could have got a few hits today, but um, yeah. But it, it definitely, other than that, I mean, it was a it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed myself. You know, fans are great. It was loud, electric here, and uh, you know it was uh, definitely had the playoff uh, atmosphere here. And um, so it's it's a lot of fun when you show up to the ballpark. That's Andrew McCutcheon, and uh, it's you know it's been an interesting uh, year for him, going from Pittsburgh and then them trying to move him, and then he stays with them, and then. They finally do move him, and he goes to San Francisco. And now you've got a San Francisco team right now who is fourth in the West. And what's he do? He gets moved to the New York Yankees, who they pretty much know are going to go to the postseason. So it's been an interesting little run here for Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, more on Chris Davis, who hit the home runs for the um, Oakland A's. American League players with three consecutive 40 home run, 100 RBI seasons. Listen to this list that Chris Davis joins. David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Juan Gonzalez, Jay Buhner, Frank Howard, shout out to my buddy Moofer, that's his uncle, uh, Jimmy Fox, and Babe Ruth. Not too shabby company for Chris Davis to join after he belts that home run last night. Um, back to the Sox and Cubs for a second. Because uh, we got sound from both of the managers, okay? Ricky Renteria, good thing he's feeling good after the little problems he had, um, you know, feeling a little lightheaded. And we'll talk more about that in a moment or two. Um, But Carlos Rodon, first time in his last 10 starts that he did not get a quality start. Uh, Snaps a streak of nine quality starts, and Renteria said, yeah, it was... It was it was good at the beginning. Well, I lo- I thought Los uh, he was still pretty good. I know he gave up a couple homers uh, in the seventh. You know, didn't help his own cause there. And I'm trying to remember if we had the, both errors in the same inning, but um, tried to get out of there and um, wasn't able to. And uh, we tried to help him out. Uh, their young man was throwing the ball pretty well too. Uh, you got to tip our caps. I mean, we're talking about right now. I don't know how many strikeouts you guys you guys counted them. I'm sure. Is that what it was, 12? I'm sure you counted them. Uh, He was throwing the ball well. Uh, He kept the ball. He had some good life. Um, Just kept us at bay. Yeah, the guy he was talking about was the Red Sox, Eduardo Rodriguez. He struck out 12 White Sox, and then the bullpen struck out six more. So it's tough to win a game when you strike out 18 times in a contest. And that's what the White Sox did yesterday. Four for Tim Anderson. Struggled uh, just a, a hair. Just a hair he was struggling. Uh, and for the Cubs, I mentioned how, you know, half with a homer. Schwarber belts one off and uh, off the wall and gets a triple, driving in a couple of runs. KB is back. Hendricks goes six innings. And what do you hear from Madden? He said, well, hey, what can I tell you? Everybody was good. You look at the whole of the game, I thought we played really well. We're good at bats. Uh, some clutch moments. It was nice to see Happer uh, deposit one like he did. Uh, but up and down, I was really pleased. Schwarber off the left center field wall. Um, Zoe just missed two. Some really good swings right there. Uh, up and down, really played well. 
Yeah, the Cubs did. They played very well. Now they wrap up the series with Philadelphia this afternoon at 12.35 start. Again, hopefully a nice pitcher's duel. John Lester, Aaron Nola should be a fun one to watch as the Cubs and Phillies wrap up their series. Then the Cubs come kind of home. They go to Wrigley Field North for the next three days as they take on the Brewers up in Milwaukee. You want to talk some Cubs baseball? 312-332-3776. Seems like things are all starting to gel a little bit, but just when you think that, some bad things start to happen. Hopefully it doesn't happen this time for North Siders. 312-332-3776. Fred Hubner with you. Top of the hour. Back into some Khalil Mack talk as the Bears will welcome in their newest pass rusher at a 1 o'clock press conference today. Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, Khalil Mack all talking to the gathered media up at Hallis Hall. We will talk with Aaron Lemming, Bear Report, and Windy City Gridiron about a little after 11 o'clock. And then around 11.30, we'll run down a uh, college football notebook for you. Here till noon, Fred Hubner with you on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Game Day, only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Fred Hubner back with you here on ESPN 1000. Get back to some Khalil Mack talk in the uh, top of the hour, 11 o'clock hour. Aaron Lemming from the Bear Report and Windy City Grin Iron will join us a little after 11 o'clock. We'll get to your calls at 312-332-3776. Lots to uh, talk about. We'll hear from Dan Graziano of ESPN. Go back to a couple of comments from our guy, Tom Waddle, as um, he talked yesterday about uh, the move of the Chicago Bears going on out and getting a guy like Khalil Mack, a guy that has three straight years of double-digit sacks, guy that in 2016 was named uh, the Defensive Player of the Year. I got, I, got, I got Khalil Mack stats everywhere here for you. All kinds of stuff. Um, unbelievable things here. Uh, let's see. Mac made NFL history in 2015, becoming the first player to be named to the AP All-Pro first team at two positions, defensive end and at linebacker. He was second in the NFL that season with 15 sacks, one shy of the Raiders franchise record. Uh, in 2017, he was the only defensive player in the NFL to tally at least 75 tackles, 10 sacks, five passes defended, one forced fumble, and one fumble recovery. And in his career, in 40, let's see, in 64 games, he has 327 tackles, nine forced fumbles, four fumble recoveries, one interception for a touchdown, 17 passes defensed, his 36 and a half sacks over that three year period, over the past three year period, rank him second in the NFL. And, uh, you know, the one thing we talk about so often is turnovers. And, uh, this will be a guy hopefully is going to, uh, boost that turnover list for the Chicago Bears. More more Khalil Mack stats uh, at the top of the hour. Just great to have him in a Bear uniform. Good old number 52. Last week I was not here because last Saturday I hopped on a plane for Germany. And I had the opportunity to go and see what they call a tribute match for Bastian Schweinsteiger of the Chicago Fire. Now, for those uninformed or people that don't care about soccer, that's fine. Just listen for a second or two, because this is one of the cooler things that I've had a chance to do in the many, many years that I be I was have been a sports fan is 
Schweinsteiger played in Germany with Bayern Munich, and they won a bunch of trophies. They won Bundesliga trophies when he was the captain of Germany. They won uh, the World Cup. So they decided with the Chicago Fire that they were going to host a tribute match for him. And I'm thinking, okay, it's a tribute match. It's you know their season just gotten underway. They're getting ready for their second game of the season. Probably be you know a little bit more than a half full arena at Allianz Arena in Munich, and um, that'll be interesting. So I go over there. I could not believe the number of Schweinsteiger jerseys I saw. Not only fire jerseys, but Munich jerseys and Germany jerseys. And this wasn't even the day of the game. This was a day or two before the game. There were people coming from all over Europe to go to this game. And getting a chance to go to Allianz Arena in Munich, and um, I'll get to the beer drinking for the trip in a second, but getting a chance to go to Allianz Arena, uh, I realized that it, it's difficult going to sporting events, especially when there's seventy-five to 80,000 at an arena. You're standing in line for 45 minutes before you actually can get into the arena. Uh, they do some interesting things there. Um with their, you know, their cups and their beers. And there was a time where you looked at the screen and at the concession stand and beer was, uh, a little more than four euros and soda was a little less than five. So the beers were cheaper than the soda came in the same cup. That's, that's absolutely perfect for me as being a beer drinker. But I could not believe 75,000 to 80,000 people packing it in. To just to give their respects to a guy they call the foosball god, the football god, and Bastian Schweinsteiger. It was absolutely amazing. They had uh, laser light shows. They had highlights on their jumbotrons. Um, they brought out every trophy that Schweinsteiger was a part of when he played for Bayern Munich and for Germany. Uh, they were all there. And uh, former players, he played with the Chicago Fire for the first half of the game. And then he played with Bayern Munich, switched jerseys, played with his former team in the second half of this tribute game. It was a very, very cool thing. And I couldn't relate it to anything that he would possibly be doing in the States. It's not like, okay, when the Blackhawks have a player come back, it's a retired guy that comes back. Or, you know, and then they have the, the, the final skate and things like that. A baseball player comes out and he, maybe he waves. I know Cole Hamels, when he went back, uh, to Philadelphia this weekend with the Cubs. He waved to the crowd after he had pitched for Philadelphia. You won't ever get a thing like this, uh, a tribute match. They just don't do those kind of things here. And it was one of the coolest things I had a chance to be a part of. Um, and um, I, I, I posted some pictures. I'll probably be posting some others on my Twitter and on my Facebook over the next little while. But just an absolutely wonderful thing to go to, seeing one of the greatest players to play the game of soccer, who is not named Ronaldo or Messi uh, or Neymar. And uh, it was very, very cool. So uh, just keep an eye. If you follow me on Twitter or Facebook, you can check out some of those things. Also, I posted a bunch of them on Instagram. We come back. Some Bears talk as Khalil Mack is in the house up at Lake Forest. We're talking about it here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's game day. Going on, Bears fans. Khalil Mack here. And the place to be, man. They got me up to Chi-Town, man. It's time to get to work. I can't wait. Excited for this opportunity, man. Bad out. Bye, Bears. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, there is no doubt it is time to get to work for Khalil Mack and the Bears. One week from today, they'll be at Lambeau Field to take on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. 
And, uh, yeah, Khalil Mack, I'm sure, will uh, get after uh, number 12. And um, can't wait. Season gets underway later this week on Thursday. And then a week from today with all the games coming up on Sunday and uh, the Bears. And then you got a couple of Monday night games. And uh, we're we're underway. The uh, battle for the next Super Bowl teams. And um, can't wait. We'll get into my fantasy team in, uh, later in the show. Uh, and, uh, I had one draft yesterday. Uh, I, I played with my brothers. We played in a Yahoo league for a long time. And then I, uh, play in another league that we, uh, we have a live draft coming up on Tuesday night. And, uh, so we'll see how that goes. Hopefully better than the, as soon as we were done, my wife said, how was your draft? I said, eh, I think I'm going to be donating money again. Like I usually do. Freddie Hubner with you. We're going to talk with Aaron Lemming in just a little bit about the whole Khalil Mack deal. First, let's go to uh, Northside. Mario, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Mario? How you doing, Fred? I love to hear you all the time, man. Thank you very much. What's up? Well, uh, really quick, uh, so how soon do you think before the, the Mack jersey becomes the number one selling jersey since he's in Chicago? That's a good question. Uh, Linebacker jerseys are pretty good if, uh, you know, if there was any indication with, uh, you know, with Brian Erlacher. So I think it would be pretty quick. Right. And my second comment is for anybody who is questioning at all how great of a move this was. I mean, you're paying, you've got a guy for six years. You don't have to deal with the BS of the agents putting clauses in and not coming up to, you know, training camp for a guy that's already been proven and established and it's going to be an instant impact. There's no working around how powerful of a move the Bears just put on the NFC. You know, there's no doubt about it. I was surprised a little bit that they moved, made that, this kind of move, but I think this is what, you know, Ryan Pace and the organization have showed is when they want to need, when they think they're ready and needed to make a move, they would, and they did. And this is a huge move. This is going to make this defense, which was seventh in the NFL in uh, sacks last year, that number should go up exponentially. I agree. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting year to say the least. Thanks a lot, Brett. Thanks, Mario. Mario on the north side with his thoughts on the whole Khalil Mack situation. Some numbers from ESPN stats and info on the deal. And again, for those people who uh, weren't sure about it, uh, the deal for Khalil Mack six years, one hundred and forty one million dollar extension comes out to like twenty three point five million per year. Uh, Ninety million guaranteed. Sixty million signing. Okay, this is a guy that was a 2016 AP Defensive Player of the Year, three-time Pro Bowler in uh, four seasons. He's played every game, played in 64 games, okay? Um, he started them all. And um, when it comes to most guaranteed money on current contracts, Aaron Rodgers has $103 million guaranteed, Matt Ryan $100 million, Matthew Stafford 92, and Khalil Mack 90. Right behind him is Aaron Donald. So Aaron Donald had the record for the most guaranteed money for a defensive player for about 24 hours until the Bears uh, went on out and got Khalil Mack. And that was interesting. Mack the second or is second in the NFL in sacks in the last three seasons, sandwiched between Chandler Jones and Von Miller. Those are the only three players with at least 10 sacks in each season over the last three years. Chandler Jones has 40 and a half, Mack with 36 and a half, and Von Miller with 34 and a half. Mack, uh, one of the things with Bears players, and we talked about this earlier with uh, John Moon Mullen from NBC Sports Chicago. One of the most important things is being out there. Ability is great. Availability is, uh, you know, the ultimate. Okay. That's the most important. 
uh, Khalil Mack on the field for 89% of the Raiders' snaps since 2014. In the limited time he was off the field, the Raiders' pass defense took major hits, recording a sack nearly half of the time and allowing a total QBR 20 points higher. So he is always on the field. That's key, especially for this Bears organization, who's had nothing but injuries. Um, hopefully he can get up to speed and be... I don't know, what, 80% on uh, Sunday against Green Bay? Mack has started all 16 games each of the four seasons I mentioned. The 64 consecutive starts is the third longest active streak for a defensive end. The only other players in the position with longer streaks, Carlos Dunlop at 68, Cameron Jordan at 97. Um, the Bears' championship odds went from 100 to 1 to 40 to 1 while Oakland's fell from 20 to 1 to 40 to 1 this according to the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook the bears were tied as i mentioned 7th in the national or the national football league in sacks last year they were 19th in pressures um 100 pressures for the bears last year and from some of the numbers Khalil Mack had 75 of his own so, yeah, the defense is definitely going to be much better. The Bears haven't had a player record at least 10 sacks in the season since 2014 when Willie Young did it. Uh, Mac, three straight seasons, I mentioned, uh, at least 20 or at least 10 sacks. The only player in Bears history to do that, Hall of Famer Richard Dent, five straight years. Sacks, by the way, were officially started tracking in uh, 19. 19- 82. Another stat or two before we talk a little bit more about Khalil Mack. Um, Mack is just the fourth player to be traded after winning a Defensive Player of the Year award. Now, there trades in the NFL aren't like trades necessarily in baseball. They don't happen nearly as much. Okay, So Mack, as I mentioned, the fourth player to be traded after winning a Defensive Player of the Year award which was first given out in 1971. He's the youngest. That's a key. He's the youngest to get traded of the four. He's been in the league for four years. So Mack won the the Defensive Player of the Year in 2016. He gets traded in 2018. Jason Taylor in 2006. He got traded in 2008. Pat Swilling, 1991. He got traded two years later in 1993. Keith Millard, 1989. He got traded three years later in 1992. Now, how did it work out for those other teams? Taylor, who was 34 at the time, played one season with the Redskins, recorded three and a half sacks in 13 games. Pat Swilling, who was 29, played two seasons with the Lions, recorded 10 sacks in 30 games. And Millard, who was 30, was released after two games with the Seahawks. Big difference is Khalil Mack is 27. Khalil Mack is a guy that's played each and every game since he's come into the league. And uh, this was a perfect time to get a guy like this to chase down the, um, the the quarterbacks in the National Football League, especially in the Bears division, when you're chasing down guys like Aaron Rodgers and Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins. You're going to be chasing these guys down, tracking them down, trying to put some pressure on them, having them turn the ball over, throw the ball early. And I had asked the question earlier today to John Moon Mullen about who this would benefit the most. Um because it'll benefit everybody on the defense, okay? Uh, the linebackers are going to have less people out there blocking them. You're going to have the quarterback having to throw the ball quicker and in doing so maybe have the cornerbacks have to defend shorter periods of time and maybe get another better opportunities to get some interceptions and uh, all these things. So everyone's going to benefit. But what, what Mullen said was he thinks that this will benefit Leonard Floyd the most. 
Now, depending on his fingers and everything else like that, when he starts the season next week, um, you're not going to be able to double team both sides. Okay, you're not going to be able to double team uh, Khalil. Khalil Mack, you're not going to be able to double team him along with Leonard Floyd. Now, Leonard Floyd was the number one pass rusher for the Bears. Then you were double teaming him or putting an extra guy on um, Akeem Hicks. Well, now you're not going to be able to do that because you've got Khalil Mack coming for you. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. It all starts next Sunday, the Bears and Packers at Lambeau. Now let's talk a little bit more about this whole situation, what it means as we talk with Aaron Lemming from the Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron. Aaron, how are you today? Doing good, Fred. How about you, man? I was. I'm. I'm doing great. I think a lot of people woke up this morning just making sure it wasn't a dream that uh, the organization went out and uh, spent big money, made the move, and brought in a pass rusher like Khalil Mack. What was your opinion? I know Eric Ostrowski, our producer, said you were all geeked up on Friday. You you thought something was about to happen. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, this is something that's, that's a huge move, and I know. That fans, especially with the way things have gone in the last few years, I know everybody's a little skeptic on how this is going to turn out. But you're talking about Khalil Mack, who's one of, I'd say, probably one of the top five best defensive players in all of football. I mean, he may even be able to make an argument that he's top three. So going on and getting somebody like Mack, it's just huge. I mean, you look at what they already have on defense. You add in Roquan Smith to that, and your biggest hole going into the season was going to be outside linebacker and what they're going to do a pass rush. Now you go out and you add one of the top uh, pass rushers, and this is something that they can afford to do because Mitch Trubisky is still on his rookie deal and will be for the next three years, and then they have the uh, fifth-year option, which is going to be more affordable than what he'll end up getting anyway. So this is just a very, very big move for the Bears, and I think this really speeds up the timeline for him. You know, a lot of people will say uh, that everything's going to – it's all going to come down to whatever, however Mitch does. And you know, that's understandable. The other thing that this is going to do, you would think, is going to allow Mitchell Trubisky to get better field position, better starting field position. Because we got a defense that's going to have a Khalil Mack on it from one side, Leonard Floyd from the other, with Trevathan and Roquan Smith. The Bears hopefully will give the ball in better field position. Uh, hopefully we won't, I, well, at least I know we won't see Craven LeBlanc catching any more punts inside the five because he was released yesterday. But, uh, you know, I think field position and getting the ball and getting turnovers, something this organization's had a hard time doing since Vic Fangio's come here. He's been trying. He's been begging. They haven't gotten him. You would think that more turnovers would definitely come for having a guy like uh, Khalil Mack rushing from that side. Oh, absolutely. I, I think when you really look at this, I, there's there's multiple players who benefit out of this. Uh, I think Leonard Floyd would be one of the biggest ones. But I think fans have to understand, I mean, this this benefits the other 10 players on the field. It really does. I mean, every single one of them benefits on this, whether it be the secondary and getting more uh, interceptions, whether it be the linebackers being more free, maybe being on the blitz, uh, do whatever they're going to do. Defensive line, I think Akeem Hicks is a big one. I mean, Akeem Hicks was their best pass rusher last year, and now he's going to see less double teams. It's just it's a, it's a huge thing all together. I think, like you, like you said, and I think you nailed it. I think part of it's going to be uh, field position for sure, and I think part of it's going to be turnovers, and that's something that the Bears have lacked. And that's something that's probably going to come with having a better pass rush and having somebody like Will Matt. Aaron Lemming from the Bear Report and also Windy City Gridiron. Nice enough to join us here on ESPN 1000. I was talking about him being out there. You know, injuries have been something that have really decimated the defense and had problems. But a guy that I know he's a four-year veteran, but a guy that has not been out at practices 
Uh, I know you can work out on your own all you want, but now he's coming into Hallis Hall today. They get the press conference at one o'clock today. How long? How, what kind of shape do you think he'll be in next Monday or next Sunday night? And what kind of uh, what kind of effort do you think he can get uh, and put in out there? Along with Roquan Smith, another guy who's actually had his uh, hamstring tweaked just a little bit when he finally came and finally signed. What are you expecting out of Roquan? Um, not Roquan. I'm sorry. What are you expecting out of Khalil Mack? And how quickly do you think he can get up to 100? percent well, I think it's going to be probably the first two or three weeks. I think you're going to see a little bit more rotations than you normally would, which at this point in time, I think it's probably a good thing. I think even going back and looking at a guy like Akeem Hicks last year, I really think the Bears burned him out uh, the first, I'd say, probably eight, ten weeks of the season. I mean, he was just on the field nonstop. And obviously you want a guy like Khalil Mack on the field as much as possible, but you also want to be able to have that rotational depth to be able to keep these guys fresh because – what Bears fans have to understand right now is they've gone from, you know, maybe a year or two away and, you know, maybe expectations right around 500 to this should be a team ordering the playoffs this year. So now the focus has got to jump not only from playing well in the regular season to get to the playoffs, but if they get in the playoffs, they need the players healthy and they need the players fresh. So I, I think especially for the first few weeks of the season, we may see more of a rotation. They're going to have guys like Sam Ocho, Aaron Lynch, who's coming off a hamstring injury Looks like he made the the final roster. We'll see after today's cuts uh, or sorry, today's uh, waiver wire claims. But they have some depth there, so it wouldn't surprise me if if we see him rotate a, a decent amount over the first few weeks. But as far as conditioning and all that stuff goes, I think that's just going to come on the field. And you know, it's it's just going to be a matter of how much they're on the field. If they're on the field a lot less, like we just we, we've been talking about, we're showing the field stuff like that. Then I think that's going to benefit as well. But I don't think from a fan standpoint or a viewer standpoint, I don't really think we're going to see, uh, you know, a giant difference from, let's say, week one to week three or four. This may be more from a conditioning standpoint and maybe a coach's standpoint. The schedule doesn't change just because they got Khalil Mack. Uh, the schedule doesn't change. It's listed as one of the tougher schedules in the NFL. They've got, you know, they're playing the uh, AFC East, so they get the Patriots, and they're also playing the NFC West, so they've got the Rams, they got the 49ers, and things like that, plus their own division. Uh, you know, when you get a guy like Khalil Mack, can, can you put into, um, what do you think? How many more wins can they get with a Khalil Mack than before they had Khalil Mack out there? I was actually listening to you guys yesterday, and I thought you guys had the interesting poll question of how many how many wins it added. And right. I, I put put in some good thought, uh, you know, same as you guys did. And, and really, what I've come down to is looking at the schedule, kind of going through and mocking things. And obviously, everything's projection at this point. But I think I, I think the addition overall, not just because of a player, but because of what else it does for them on defense, I think ultimately adds two wins. So this is a team that going into this weekend, I had projected at eight and eight. Uh, I think that was. At least in my mind, I think that was pretty fair, you know, going back and I've mocked this season countless times and, you know, did things and maybe, maybe it is optimistic, but I do think that this is, this adds one at the very least, but I think it adds two wins. I think they're going to be right in the mix, especially going into December. So this is, like I said, this is a, this is a big deal. You don't go out and spend $23.5 million a year on a guy like this and on top of that, trade two first round draft picks if you're not ready to go right this five seconds. So I think uh, this is really kind of a big move for my pace to say, hey, we're ready. We're ready to compete, if not for the Super Bowl this year, which I think may be a little unrealistic, but I think at least for a playoff spot, maybe more of a wild card, but I think they definitely have to be in the mix for a playoff spot this year. 
Yeah, I think it was tough. It's tough to tell the fans of the Chicago Bears to be patient. Uh, but I'm just a little, I'm a little worried that when they see this move, they get overly optimistic. But I guess that's not a bad thing, being overly optimistic and expecting a lot from your team when they make a move like this. Because I'm sure up at Hallis Hall, they're expecting a lot from their team. Oh, absolutely. And I, and I think really what, what has to be looked at here is the fact that they just, like I said, I mean, they just signed a guy for $22.5 million. I mean, this is five years ago when Jay Cutler signed his contract. He signed for $18 million a year. So, I mean, you just, you've seen the inflation in the market. Uh, this is essentially having a mid-level quarterback uh, in terms of, uh, you know, contract status. So they've got three years worth of Trubisky left on his rookie deal, which is very affordable. Fifth-year options probably going to be in the 20s somewhere. I mean, we'll have to see how that goes depending on cap inflation. But the time for them to strike is now. Uh, they have some cheap rookies on rookie deals. Sorry, no, sorry, not rookies, but cheap younger guys on rookie right. deals. I mean, this is the time. There's just really no other way around it. And it's not to say that they have one of the better rosters in the NFL, but – at the same time, when you make a move like this and when you have your quarterback controlled, much like the Rams do, much like the Eagles do, these are the kind of moves that you have to make and there have to be high expectations that come with it. You know, I was looking here and people were talking about, you know, you build your team through the draft. We had a lot of calls yesterday saying you build your team through the draft and you're giving draft picks away. It's not a good thing. And the Bears can't draft. And, you know, they did have some obviously some some questionable first round draft picks, ones that just haven't worked out as well as uh, they would have wanted. But then I'm going through the list here and. I'm, uh, I think it was Kevin Fishbane from The Athletic who put out a list about Bears who are 27 or younger. And if I'm not mistaken, these guys are all draft picks. Kyle Fuller, Cody Whitehair, Leno, uh, Eddie Jackson, Adrian Amos, Leonard Floyd, Eddie Goldman, Mitchell Trubisky, Jordan Howard, Adam Shaheen, Tariq Cohen, Anthony Miller, Roquan Smith, and James Daniels. So the Bears and Pace are building their organization through the draft, but a move like this... Uh, is one when you get the opportunity, you need to go on out and get that free agent. Get the guy that in, in a trade that can help solidify what you've been doing and you're still building the organization with the draft picks. Yeah, you give away one or two here, but like you know, most people have said, if you could go on out next year and get um, Khalil Mack with a first-round draft pick, you would do it. So basically, you're trading that for him. So despite the fact that first-round picks have struggled a little bit for um, uh, Ryan Pace, and hopefully, you know, Mitchell Trubisky doesn't, and Roquan Smith doesn't. Um, they, I think, have been doing a really good job with picks two through seven. Absolutely, uh, and I think you really look at what they've done the last few years, and I mean, you named off a lot of guys that were Ryan Pace picks, and I think really the the big thing, what it's going to come down to, especially this year and over the next few years, is this year's draft class. I mean, they went out and they got Roquan Smith, who was viewed as one of the better defensive players in the draft. One of the safer picks in the draft is to be, you know, a really good player. And then you get a guy like James Daniels, who's probably not going to start week one, but he's going to be somebody who's 20 years old. So he's still young. As much as I've pushed for him to start, I can understand why they're not. And you have a guy like Anthony Miller, who you traded your fourth-round pick for, and you traded a second-round pick out of his coming year for him. So you start stacking up a lot of, of draft capital here, and you're, you're basically putting your eggs in the basket of who you already have. But the, the reality of it is, and it's really quite simple, is when you have a chance to get a guy like Quinnemack, you do it. Because you, you draft in the first round, a high first round, to get guys like Quinnemack. And looking at what Ryan Pace has done with his first round picks, and like you said, hopefully uh, Roquan Smith works out. I think Leonard Floyd is going to be a good player. Uh, and, and the same thing with Trubisky. I mean, he's got to be a top ten quarterback. But outside of Trubisky, maybe in a few years, I think we're going to look back at this and say, hey, you know, there's no other first round pick that Ryan Pace has made 
that we'd rather have than a guy like Kuluma. Right. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I mean, he's, he's an all-pro player. And those are the kind of guys that are very hard to get. And if you can add something like that to your defense and add something like that to your team, I mean, that's, that's star power that the, the Bears really haven't had and something that they need and something that they're going to need to compete for a Super Bowl. Yeah, most teams don't get there without some star power. You're right about that. Aaron, we appreciate it as always. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to next Sunday. Can't wait for the Bears and the Packers to go at it next Sunday evening. We'll be talking to you throughout the season. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on again. Appreciate it. Aaron Lemming from the Bear Report and Windy City Gridiron, nice enough to join us. Talk about Khalil Mack. The Bears acquire him yesterday. They extend the contract to the All-Pro. And uh, Ryan Pace, along with Matt Nagy and Khalil Mack, they meet the media today at 1 o'clock up at Hallis Hall. The press release yesterday, we are excited to add a special playmaker like Khalil to our football team, said Ryan Pace. He said, elite defensive players in their prime are rare. So when we know, when we knew we were at a legit shot to acquire him, we did everything we thought necessary to get him. And he's exactly right. Um, and in the list I ran down earlier, there were other defensive players of the year that were traded, but they were older. Khalil Max, 27, and he comes in and joins this Vic Fangio defense. This is going to be all kinds of fun. Speaking of all kinds of fun, college football, first big Saturday yesterday. We come back. We'll recap it here on ESPN 1000.